0: Good morning, New Song. Thank you guys for gathering. Good to see all you guys today. Uh, It's nice and cool in here, right? Getting a little toasty out there. Uh, Well, again, thank you. Thank you again for gathering. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here and super excited to get an opportunity to worship together in this community, to do that through singing praises to God, from hearing God's word, Uh, to even praying for our community. But before we get, continue on in that, uh, there is a few things I wanted to draw your attention to. Um, First thing is you may have noticed the little tag that's on a lot of your shirts right here, right? Name tags. If you were here last week, uh, you'd be like, wait a minute, this is second week in a row. What's going on? I want to know some things. So let me give you some answers. Um, Last week, there was a lot of just really, really good feedback to these. And I think it's for a multitude of reasons. One, if I'm just gonna have a confession right now, I'm really bad with names. I always have been. The moment I let go of someone's hand, I'm like, where's the name? I lost it. So so this is wonderful for people like me, but also it's wonderful because I think it takes down that little that little wall that we have sometimes where we wanna say hi to someone but maybe you forgot their name or it's that awkward moment. So so we're looking just to invest in that uh, as well as we decided that we're gonna be doing this every first, first, that's a word, first Sunday um, on the Sundays that we actually have a community meal after uh, church. So the reason for this is it all coincides, it all goes together just in this heart that we really believe as we pursue this mission that we have on the wall over here to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. That those three words, follow, love, and do, those are active words. Those are moving words. Here's the problem with moving. How many of you have moved and gotten tired afterwards? Any of you? You guys are all in better shape than me. Okay, that's good. So yeah, right? When you move, when you're active, it can be exhausting. And scripture points us to a truth, and that truth is, If we're pursuing what God has for us, we are going to experience some exhaustion. But God has blessed us with the body of Christ, a community of people that we can do that together. So these things are intentional, name tags and having lunch and creating opportunities just to develop our our understanding and our relationships with one another. So if you are willing uh, each week when you get that name tag to wear it, To say hi to someone to participate, we would love that. Obviously, uh, there's no way a requirement, but this is the heart behind it. Uh, One thing I've loved about this church is we really want to vocalize why we do what we do. So that's a little piece of why we do that. Um, Another thing along the lines of supporting one another is uh, this week, Chris Alex Memorial Service is in this room on Tuesday. That's the 9th, and it's gonna be uh, at 1 p.m., The viewing is going to be at 1.30, Uh, so if you want to be here, if you want to participate in that, um, we just wanted to give you guys that information, let you know. If you need more information um, on ways you can be praying, help, participate, please find uh, Grant, Melody, and I. We would love to answer those questions, and we're continuing to pray for Laura. We're continuing to pray for that family uh, in this time that's just so, so difficult, and this is what we're talking about, Right? you you can't call upon someone if you don't know their name you can't reach out for help if you don't have that connection, and that's a big part of what we want to do and invest in on these mornings. Uh, So if you need any more information about that, please let us know. And again, if you would just look, uh, there's a couple things I'm gonna direct you to to the seat backs. The first is a connection card. If you're a guest with us this morning, we would love just to meet you, know how we can be praying for you, answer any questions you have right outside at this connection tent. So feel free to fill that out. Um, Another thing that's right above that is a card that says give on it. So we devote every Sunday, we devote a portion of our morning talking about giving, and we set that aside. And I want to share just a little bit of the heart behind it, because maybe you've been with New Song forever, so you've heard this and you're good to go. Maybe you've been checking things out, but, but this is what it's not. We don't set it aside every week because it's a religious obligation to give, We also don't set it aside making a statement that you're receiving a service and you should pay for the service, right? That's not what we're saying. But we're setting it aside because we believe that it's truly a way to worship God, to trust God in what he is doing, to trust that God has placed you in this community with these people. And even more than that, to trust that God is working in and through New Song, maybe even beyond the scope of anything you would ever experience, And so that's why we set aside this time and set aside an opportunity. There's a couple of different ways to do that. As I said, there's the little envelope. You can fill that out. There's a box right outside those doors. You can just drop it in that on the way out. Another way is there's a couple of digital ways. If you're more digitally inclined, there's a text to give option. Uh, You can give online. There's also the church center app. Um, One of the things that you can do on the online option is you can set a reoccurring thing. Uh, to give. And that's helpful if you're like, Sunday mornings, I'm already thinking of too many things to like remember my checkbook or cash or anything. Like I'm going to forget. So uh, if you have any questions with some of the digital options, please find us. We would love to answer that for you, help you out uh, if you're like, I'm not digitally inclined, but that sounds nice. Um, we'll help you figure that out. But also if you have any question of the heart behind giving and why we bring this up each week, we'd love to have that discussion with you. Again, we value talking about why we do what we do. So with that, if you wouldn't mind just praying with me as we continue on in worshiping our Lord today. Lord, you are good. We trust that. We might not always even feel that and we might even at times question that, Lord, but but we lean into that truth. God, I pray over this gathering of people Some who are coming in with just joyful hearts in a joyful season in their life, may you meet them in that joy. Some are coming in heavy laden, not even knowing how the next hour is going to go, let alone day, week, month, or year. Lord, I pray that wherever an individual is, that you would meet them there not just spiritually, but tangibly, maybe in a conversation over lunch or in a passing of someone or in saying hi to someone today, whatever it is, God. God, we trust that you are working. So we give this time to you. We give this church to you. We give these relationships that you have blessed us with to you because we trust that you are working in and through each one of those things. In your name, amen. Join me in welcoming Pastor Grant up. Join me in dismissing Pastor
1: Josh off. <laughs> and join me in celebrating all of you people, because you're wonderful, right? Thanks, Josh. So uh, it is my pleasure to introduce a couple of people to you, some folks. Um, and it's kind of along the lines of another thing that's on our wall, which uh, came about when we we're thinking about the concept of community and why we gather. Um, and it's the scripture that says, we share with you what we have seen and heard, so that you also might have fellowship with us and with God in Christ and together make our joy complete. And we've been talking about that in terms of when we get together, uh, even Sunday mornings or in the garden or doing the pantry or just in our homes that we wanna remember, we wanna talk about and share what we've been experiencing uh, in this relationship with God and one another. And therefore, it invites other people into that fellowship and then together make our joy complete. And the more people are together in that you know situation, the more we have joy. So I want to bring up a couple of our beloved friends who are sitting right here, Doug and Krista Levy, um, and really give them a chance to talk a bit about what they have seen and heard. That our joy might be complete because we very much believe that we're in partnership with these folks and their family. Um, so. Does anyone, has anyone never, ever met the Libby's before? Who watched the video? Okay, the homework. This was actually pre-Sunday homework, but afterwards, one of the, the latest Connect video is all about these guys, and it'll give you a ton of flavor about what they're up to. So introduce yourselves, uh, let us know uh, your names, and where in the world are you serving? Or I could introduce I'll you.
2: Take, I'll take the easy question. There we go. So, yeah, so this is my husband, Doug. I'm Krista. We're here with four of our five children. I won't make them stand up. But no, but they should raise their hands. Make racer. them yes. stand, up. Yeah. Okay, stand up. Stand up, stand <laughs> up. There you go. There you okay, go. Go. There, you go. <laughs>
3: there you are. Yeah.
2: So you so can say hi to the masters. Our oldest daughter is actually leaving today with our son-in-law to North Africa for their own mission trip. So, yeah. Isabel. Isabel, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we serve in France, just outside of Paris.
1: Okay. Yeah, when I first met these uh, wonderful people, we had lunch, um, and we were talking about ministry uh, and just realizing how much we have in common in how we perceive what we're doing here in this community with what you're doing in your community, that we're trying to build bridges and connect uh, in deepening ways over time, being consistently present. Um, So maybe, how do you perceive... The mission that you have in France in the town. Maybe describe It's quite a small town, correct? Mm. And how long have you been in, the, in that town? Yeah. So Krista and I live in a town
3: called Chevry Coussigny. Anybody can say that? with Any French speakers? <laughs> Chevry Coussigny. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll get it next time. So <laughs> uh, it is true that we live in a little tiny town of about 4,000 people, but we live in a region of uh, where there are sort of four towns, you know, kind of a tri-city area, except there are four, so what would that be? Cat, four city, whatever, quad. There we go, okay. And uh, there's 27,000 or so people in this area, and uh, there's only one evangelical church. So um, just outside of our little area, there's another church, so let's say there's two. Uh, in our area, but uh, a lot of people who on Sunday morning when they wake up, if they had questions about God, they wouldn't really necessarily know where to turn. And so um, because a French person sort of has the default setting of skepticism, uh, the only way that we really know how to reach uh, that kind of person is to live out in a close kind of way what the Lord's all about in our life, and to live the gospel. And so A lot of our ministry is about building relationships and being close to people that we live near. And over time, having the occasion when when the opportunity arises to interact and talk about life's deep issues and answer questions and dialogue about who the Lord is. And uh, we started the church about um, nine years ago that was sort of birthed out of a number of activities we were doing, children's kind of Bible clubs and small groups and things like that. And so in our first services, we were in a house and we had like, you know, 15 people. And when half of those people went away to the children's ministry, mm-hmm. then I had, you know, seven people sitting in front of me where we're supposed to do a message. That's kind of a weird thing. Yep. And, uh, and, uh, and now, you know, uh, on a regular Sunday morning, we're between... 45 and 60, depending on the, on the day. So Fantastic. God's doing good things. Yeah. Um, uh, there was another question, I think.
1: Um, I think how long have you been Right. So we've been going?
3: living in, the, in France since 1999. So we arrived in France in 1999 to learn languages. We spent two years in language school, and then we served for about 12 years in a local church before starting the church we're at now. But we've actually lived in the same town for 21 years. And uh, we didn't think it was going to happen that way. We didn't think that the Lord was going to have us be there. In fact, when we first landed there, we said, Lord, why would you put us in this place? We don't get it. We don't understand these people. They don't want to know us. You know, Mm -hmm. why? And over time, God just opened doors. And now we go, okay, I don't think we want to live anywhere else. And uh, we've got lots of ministry to do and lots
1: of people that we love. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So I've asked uh, Doug and Krista to read our scripture for this morning, which is Psalm 62. And I asked if they could do it in English and French. So would you stand as we read this, the word of God, Psalm
3: 62 in the NIV. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down the leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Find rest, O my soul in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. uh, Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Low-born men are but a breath. The high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely, you will reward each person according to what he's done.
2: Psalm 62. Au mm-hmm. chef des chantres, d'après Dieu du temps. Psalm de David. Oui, c'est un Dieu que mon âme se confie. De lui vient mon salut. Oui, c'est lui qui est mon rocher et mon salut. Ma haute retraite. Je ne chancelerai guère. Jusqu'à quand vous jetterez-vous sur un homme? Chercherez-vous tous à l'abattre. Comme une muraille qui penche comme une clôture qu'on renverse. Ils conspirent pour le précipiter de son poste élevé. Ils prennent plaisir au mensonge, Ils bénissent de leur bouche et ils maudissent dans leur cœur. Oui, mon âme, confie-toi en Dieu, car de lui vient mon espérance. Oui, c'est lui qui est mon rocher et mon salut. Ma haute retraite, je ne chancelerai pas. Sur Dieu repose mon salut et ma gloire. Le rocher de ma force, mon refuge est en Dieu. En tout temps, peuple, confiez-vous en, en lui. Répandez vos cœurs en sa présence. Dieu est notre refuge. Oui, vanité les fils de l'homme, mensonge les fils de l'homme. Dans une balance, ils monteraient tous ensemble plus légers qu'un souffle. Ne vous confiez pas dans la violence et ne mettez pas en vain l'espoir dans la rapine. Quand les richesses s'accroissent, n'y attachez pas votre cœur. Dieu a parlé une fois, deux fois j'ai entendu ceci, c'est que la force est à Dieu. À toi aussi, Seigneur, la bonté, car tu te rends à chacun selon ses œuvres.
1: Amen. Merci beaucoup. Thank you, Christa. Thanks, Doug. It's a beautiful language, isn't it? I learned French in school, in high school actually, because I grew up in Scotland, and that was the language you learned, and it wasn't much use coming to America, the places I've lived, but uh, I've got some of it still there, Um, but I wish I'd done Spanish now, really. Um. (laughs) So, oh, I I, I don't need my communion just now. Um, Psalm 62, here we are, in summer in the Psalms, oh boy, it's summer, isn't it? We were going to have the food outside, and then we're just thinking, that's a really bad idea. Soup, hot soup in 100-degree weather. <laughs> no one's going to stay. <clears throat> so we're going to do it in here. But watch the carpets. Um, yeah, so this world, uh, we've talked a bit about the Psalms, the, the differences between the culture of that time and the massive span of time between then and now. Uh, and it's really true that... Uh, Our world is constantly changing, and especially in recent, I guess, centuries, even decades, uh, change has been extremely rapid, kind of makes your head spin, uh, the way technology uh, keeps improving and increasing and and multiplying. Um, On December 17th, 1903, uh, a couple of guys by the name of Wilbur and Orville, did anyone ever meet Wilbur and Orville? Uh, They flew their flying machine for 12 seconds, and covered 120 feet, so that 1903. And now we have jets that can fly over 2,000 miles per hour. Absolutely incredible pieces of intricate and powerful machinery. I was thinking about other ways that technology kind of blows my mind, and one of them is just this thing I have in my pocket, and all the things that it has replaced, I'm sure you've seen these like memes and things to say all the stuff that this does for which you would have needed all of these things apparently with a combined weight of 75 pounds. Um, everything from a compact mirror, anyone ever do that? You know? To uh, encyclopedias and MP3 players. Incredible technology. So I just turned 53 a few months ago. Uh, can't believe it. And so uh, even in my short span of time, you know, it's not that long really in the scale of human history, but I have seen so much change Um, When I was a kid, growing up in Scotland, if I wanted to know something that my mum or dad didn't know, I would go into the dining room in my family home and I would find the encyclopedias that we had there. Anyone remember doing this? And hopefully, you could find something about the subject you were trying to to know. Um, Nowadays, I just simply ask my phone or military-industrial-complex-listening device. (laughs) They're always listening. Well, actually, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about that the government's listening, I'm thinking, great. It's like evangelization of government employees, right? <laughs> they get to come to church, and you're just like, let's pray for that guy over there with a the head worn, you know, listening device. Uh, I love all that stuff, though. It's so exciting to me. Um, but re- crazy that the iPhone was only released 15 years ago. So, I mean, 15 years that this has been a thing. That's crazy. So much has changed. And so very rapidly over the past few hundred years. But the Psalms tell us, I think, that some things haven't changed at all in human, uh, in creation. And the first thing is human nature has not really changed. I think there's a reason why we resonate with these Psalms. Because human beings then and now uh, live according to the restrictions and the, the brokenness of our human nature. The ways that we live Um, have not really changed. And technology is a wonderful thing, but it hasn't erased the fact that we are human. In fact, wonderful new technologies often just simply give us more effective ways to hurt each other, whether it's online scams, cyberbullying, weapons of destruction, or just rewiring our brains to have an attention span of a goldfish from constantly scrolling through our social media for a little hit of dopamine, right? The second thing is that humans need God. So first, human nature has not changed. We, when we read the Bible, we're not reading this alien book that makes no sense to us, and especially the Psalms, human nature, and then humans need God. Despite so much, you know, secularism and things that would try and root our feet solidly to the ground, we still kind of have our head in the clouds. We are incurably religious. All the efforts to stamp out this longing for transcendence for God has not been successful. In fact, it's only increased. We are a religious species with a huge capacity for mystery, and we've talked about this. We have longings that we find within ourselves that nothing seems to satisfy. Humans need God. So this morning, we heard Psalm 62, and if King David did indeed write this, it says it's a Psalm of David, then there's over 3,000 years between us and this, these words but but it just resonates to tell us that nothing's really changed human nature in two ways it's it's difficult it makes life difficult being a human being the first is threats from others outside forces He says, how long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. You can see so many acts of human brokenness in that section. Assault, uh, ganging up a greater amount on on, on a single person. And then it says this leaning wall, this tottering fence. A lot of people think that's probably because he's in a place of sickness or illness. He's already depleted and there's this attack coming towards him. They intend to topple me from my lofty place. That is so humid, isn't it? It's desire when someone's successful. I remember I was played in uh, you, most of you know I played in bands back in the 90s and I had friends and they were really good friends but when their, uh, their uh, band got a bad review, you'd be secretly kind of happy because we were kind of in competition with each other. Even though we were friends, we'd never say it out loud. Uh, there'd be this kind of like rivalry. So things from, with, without, from without ourselves, then threats from within Uh, David writes, with their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Duplicitous. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. We have hearts that go astray. Hearts that attach themselves to things that will never satisfy. This is so human. And then he gets to this this confession of the truth about human beings. Surely the low born are are but a breath, the high born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Human beings. And so with all the power and technology and advances and inventions, we are still the same people. David recognized it both within himself. We did Psalm 51, Melody preached on recently. It's that sense of like, What an expression of of the frailty of a human being, a confession of that. And then, so secondly, the writer also recognizes that people need God. Human beings need God. It starts with, truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. You know, thankfully, I love alliteration. It's kind of a pastor thing, right? But it kind of works because really what he's saying is that God is his rest, God is his rock, God is his redeemer, and God is his refuge. And there's this kind of tension between these two things because you, you, you can know that, and yet the world is real. The trouble is true. The things that we feel, the things, the temptations that we have that we often give into, and the, the world around us that just just simply getting to a four-way cross on Cienega uh, and and the anger that we can experience just in that little interaction with other human beings, right? I tell you, traffic stuff is my number one uh, example to myself that I am painfully human. But people really need to figure out how to use those things, right? (laughs) We should have more roundabouts. Do they have those in France? Isn't it a better way? Much better. You Americans. <laughs> so he recognizes these two things. It's a, we resonate. That's why we read these things. Wouldn't it be weird if it was so different that we read the Psalms and go, I, I have no idea what he's talking about. It's remarkable that when we read it, we go, oh, my goodness. That's, I recognize that. That's me. Both the sense of being human, but also a sense of knowing I need I need God. And the fact that regardless if you know it or not, there's, there is a need there. So this is a, 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 a challenging thing, but there's this kind of a couple of tracks through this psalm which I think could be kind of helpful in figuring out um, how to understand these two tensions, that we have a need for God, but we also have this like, distance from that full experience and, and it's broken and it's messy. Um, so first thing is this kind of this progression of response to the fact that, that I am human and I need God. Life is very real and often painful and raw, but there's a sense that there is a God who is good. And the first thing is, is interesting to me because This is how we can often do it. And I think we do this in church sometimes, especially the songs that we sing. And the worship team, we've been talking a lot about the songs that we sing. And the words we're putting in people's mouths that maybe is not really connecting necessarily with their experience. And the psalm starts out with this propositional truth just stated clearly. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Never, okay? You know, there's a bumper sticker you might have seen that says, God said it, I believe it. That settles it. Oh, yeah, it's on the screen, right? I thought you are all like, you guys seen this? <laughs> I don't really buy that necessarily. It's that sense of like, I've got it in my head. Um... There's always this kind of tension because my life's not necessarily working like that. He's being shaken. The very next thing in the psalm is, is the shaking comes. Um, it's like the, you, you remember, uh, Linda, the, the, the skit about the psychologist and the guy comes the person comes in with a problem and, the, and he sits there, listens to the person's problem and says, Stop it. Stop it. You ever seen that? Who was it? Bob Do you know? Newhart. Bob Newhart. And so this whole thing, he said, no, but no, you've got to help me. I'm, I said, stop it. Just stop it. You know? And I think that we do that sometimes. Just have faith. Just pray. God is this. You're fine. Right? And sometimes it doesn't really sink into our experience. So the second thing that he does in this progression of response, I think, to the tension he feels of being a human and knowing that there's this God that he needs to kind of connect with is self-exhortation. And I love this. And none of these things are bad, by the way. I'm setting a proposition and saying God is thus is good. This one's also good. But it seems like it's a progress. He's saying now, despite his head knowing the knowledge, but he's experienced this thing. And so he talks to himself. He says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him, repeats again, truly is my rock and my salvation, he is my fortress, I will not be shaken. You see that change there? States it, and then telling himself, put your trust in him. Do you guys ever do that? When you go like, oh Grant, put your trust in God. The third thing in this progression of response is community participation. The very next thing in the psalm, it says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So it starts off with an understanding of something he believes to be true, and then he's telling himself to put his trust in this, and then it moves into the community. And they're sharing these truths together. Well, then the final one is personal revelation. This psalm's amazing. He does not address God at all till this whole progression toward the end and suddenly he finds himself addressing God himself. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. With you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. And I think this is the place where it all starts to happen, where the human experience of this person connects very viscerally and real with this God in a very personal and intimate way. And I think this, is the, this conclusion points us in that direction to say, where do we go in the fact that we have this human nature that is broken? And it's to intimacy, addressing personally this God. And I don't think we usually get there without trouble when we cry out to God, So intimately, so personally, save me, Lord. And the Psalms are full of that. They point us to that kind of communication with God. And they form us into people who will be doing this intimate, relational, conversation work with the God who loves us. You know, I'm going to read a long passage right now. uh, So just make yourself comfortable. But it's worth reading. And it's, it, it's by this author called Douglas Copeland. Has anyone ever heard of Douglas Copeland? He is not a Christian writer. He, he, he penned the name Generation X, which is kind of funny because New Song was kind of a Gen X church. Douglas Copeland, secular author, recognized that there was this generation that had particular distinctives. And he wrote a book called Generation X. But he also wrote a book called Life After God. And basically, it's about a man driving his kid... And he's separated from his, from his uh, the mother, but driving his kid up through Canada. And he's thinking about life after God. If there is no God, what does that mean? For life, for, for my love, for my kid, for, for all the things he's, he's pondering on this road trip and he's writing it down like he's talking to his kid. And at the very end of the book, this is how it ends. And I think this is this, an illustration of this moment where I recognize that I'm human and I recognize that I need God. So he writes Some facts about me. I think I'm a broken person. I seriously question the road my life has taken and I endlessly rehash the compromises I have made in my life. I have an unsecure and vaguely crappy job with an immoral corporation so that I don't have to worry about money. I put up with halfway relationships so as not to have to worry about loneliness. I've lost the ability to recapture the purer feelings of my younger years in exchange for a streamlined, narrow-mindedness that I assumed would propel me to the top. What a joke. Compromise is said to be the way of the world, and yet I find myself feeling sick, trying to accept what it has done to me, the little yellow pills, the lost sleep. But I don't think this is anything new in the world. This is not to say my life is bad. I know it isn't, but my life is not what I expected it might have been when I was younger. Maybe you yourself deal with this issue better than me. Maybe you've been lucky enough to never have inner voices question you about your own path. Or maybe you answered the questioning and came out on the other side. I don't feel sorry for myself in any way. I'm merely coming to grips with what I know the world is truly like. Sometimes I want to go to sleep and merge with the foggy world of dreams and not return to this, our real world. Sometimes I look back on my life and I'm surprised at the lack of kind things I have done. Sometimes I just feel that there must be another road that can be walked away from this, either against my will or by default. Now here's my secret. I tell it to you with an open, the openness of heart that I doubt I shall ever achieve again. So I pray that you're in a quiet room as you hear these words. My secret is I need God, that I'm sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me give because I no longer seem to be capable of giving, to help me be kind as I no longer seem capable of kindness, to help me love as I seem beyond being able to love. A progression from from a head knowledge, but sometimes we just stay there in defiance of the truth that we see, and we find it hard. People come with questions sometimes in church, and we say, you know, shh, just believe, just have faith, right? We tell ourselves, we talk to ourselves, and that's good. We share with the community what we're believing that God is is like, but then it's the moment when the humanity that we experience meets the transcendent God in intimacy, and we have this aha moment. The second kind of progression through here, which I think is helpful, is a progression of experience. That was a progression of response, how to respond to this kind of human and divine dilemma that we find ourselves in. The second one is of experience. Uh, And this is going to harken back to something that we talked about at the beginning of the pandemic time. Uh, You're going to be, oh, not that again, Grant. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. But I think the Psalms are full of this concept. And and so, the start, listen to this. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. That's orientation. Things are good. I'm in a settled place. The sun rose this morning. It will set in the west, west, right, Uh, this evening. (laughs) Things are good. What's the very next thing in the psalm? How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, and in their hearts they curse. That is disorientation. He couldn't stay there. He didn't stay there. We never stay there. Something comes along. So, what does he do? Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will not be shaken. That's perseverance. What does he do when the trouble comes? He tells himself, Hang in there, oh soul. You know, I'm shaking. But God is still my refuge. Then he goes to the next part. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. He steps into community and worships. So he has the settled place of orientation into disorientation, and he perseveres. And then he steps in with other people, uh, living lives alongside in worship. And then the next thing. Surely the low-born about a breath, the high-born about a lie. If weighed on the balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. What is that? That's humility. He is humbled, realizing how little strength he really has. And then he has this understanding: Do not trust in extortion, or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. This is David. He's a rich man. <laughs> he has wisdom. He's realizing none of this stuff is really gonna fix anything. It doesn't really matter. It reminds me of Ecclesiastes where one of the wisest men talks about all of these vain things. So he learns wisdom. And then at the very end, like we said, this intimate moment of revelation. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. And that's the new orientation where you go through whatever it is you're going through and you would persevere, you would participate in worship and gathering and being together. You learn humility, you learn wisdom, and then you catch a glimpse of something new that you would never have experienced were it not for that journey that you had taken through whatever it was that seemed to be the obstacle in front of you. And you discover that truly the Lord is in this place. The Lord is with us. A new orientation. And it's born out of an intentional engagement with this, Not a flight from life. Not an escape. Not a longing, I'm going to sit here on this chair till the rapture happens. But an engagement in the adventure that is life. Because your shepherd that we talked about last week is with you. And so therefore, the things that are happening to us are not unusual. They're not bad in terms of what God can do with them. If we will persevere, learn humility, Seek wisdom, connect with the brothers and sisters, and we will find ourselves in a new place, surprised that we actually got there. I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to sing Psalm 62 in response. Uh, you know, I called this message, Same As It Ever Was. Do you know where that's from? Uh, yes. Talking heads. <laughs> Same as it ever was. I mean, you know, we've been playing these songs at the beginning before the gathering, too that are like psalms, but they're secular sounds by Mumford and Sons, and there's a couple of U2 songs. There's uh, "By the Rivers of Babylon" by this old like reggae group and stuff. But I was like, so I'm looking at songs all the time and thinking like, the world is trying to express this in many other songs. You know that song "Talking Heads" that "You might find yourself at the wheel of a large automobile and a beautiful house and a beautiful wife, and you'll ask yourself, how did I get here?" That's pretty fundamental. But then the concept, same as it ever was, right? Same as it ever was. That could be thought cynically, but actually I think it really, in in the context of this, the same as it ever was. Yes, we are still human beings. Yes, we still mess up. Yes, we still have uh, conflict and all of these things. But also, same as it ever was, the same God who David walked with, walks with us. And he has never changed. He has never been diminished. His power and his love and his faithfulness are here with us now. So if you're, whatever you're struggling with right now, my prayer is that in that painful place, you would meet the God who loves you. You would meet him and do it together with the rest of us. Confidence for today and for tomorrow and for all of eternity. You guys ready? Yes. Yes let's sing together find rest my soul in God
4: salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips may bless and hearts may curse, and lies like arrows pierce me, i fix my heart on righteousness. i look to Him I sow. I gaze on God alone And trust in Him completely And He will remember my soul And it will prove His mercy Through life is but a fleeting breath A sigh to breathe, to measure My King has crushed the curse of death and I is his forever
1: communion Uh, you can be seated if anyone uh, would like to participate you know a new song we we do this every week um, and we've said many times before that no matter where we've been in scripture this is always a good response Uh, and for some of us um, it may be a first step towards this intimacy with God, this relationship with, with God. So, we, you know, you're welcome to participate in this, but by doing so, you're saying, okay, I don't understand all of how this works, but I want, I want this. I want to follow God. I want to know Christ. Uh, and this psalm kind of resounds through time because David says, you know, 3,000 years ago, with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And the amazing thing about the faithfulness of God is His unfailing love leads to action. And some people say, how do I know God loves me? He said, because he came and he walked in our flesh and he lived in our world. And then he gave his life for you, that you would experience his presence now and forever with all of God's people. And he kind of indicated that on the Passover with his disciples. If I could figure out how to open this thing. He took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. This is serious business. We say, yes, your body for me. I accept that. I want that. And we take this bread in Jesus' name. And he took a cup at the table and he gave it a whole new meaning and said this is my blood that is shed for the forgiveness of sin love in action he says also in the psalm you reward everyone according to what they have done and judgment has been taken from us because of what Christ has done for us that we are free from condemnation no longer to hide in the shadows in shame, in guilt, in fear we step into the light and he says welcome so Lord Jesus we come we accept this in Jesus name Thank you, Lord Jesus, our shepherd, our friend, our rock, our refuge, our redeemer.